Welcome to Third Floor Views, where we at Chesapeake Family Life talk about health, education, and living with kids. I'm your host, Janet Jefferson. Today, we are here talking with author and designer Marina Macaron about her new book, Mashka and Mishka, Get Trapped in a Rainbow. Thank you so much for being here today, Marina. Thank you for having me. Let's jump right in. So Marina, if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself and your background, because I think it's, it's really interesting and it's, you're coming from a place or an industry prior to being an author that I think is, is just fascinating. Yes, of course. I was born in Soviet Union and I came to United States, uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I graduated from Drexel and then went to get my master's in London School of Economics and Russian School of Economics. So I got all those little economic bits in there. And then when I was done, I'm like, well, that was nice. I went into fashion. (laughs) I like colors. So I started my own fashion brand and it, it was a very interesting and just period but I'm a mother of four and the more kids I was having the harder it was to be able to do quality collections with this fast changing fashion because you can't just do seasons you have to do by seasons and capsule collections and when you have three four little kids it's just you can't I feel like if you put something out there it has to be quality and if you can't give your best then it's better just to take a break and during that break I decided to write a book (laughs) so that's kind of my road to Mashka and Mishka. Absolutely. I'd love to hear more about the book. So generally, what's what's the general story and what age range is it intended for? Because it's really interesting. It has a lot of stunning illustrations, but it's also a little bit uh, longer of a book compared to maybe your classic picture book. So what age range were you thinking? Oh my gosh, just, <laughs> just beautiful. And the colors too, it, you know, very similar to your designs. Yeah. I'm very colorful, so you can't lose me in the snow. (laughs) (laughs) The it's published is as middle grade, and the age uh, is uh, fourth grade. But when I was uh, going through peer review, I would give it to my friends, and they would out loud to their younger children, like four years old, and then have their parents grandparents steal the book and read the book on their own then the parents themselves wouldn't be able to stop so it is a longer book it's very descriptive it's very colorful it's very adventurous and it's very just jolly overall so everybody can appreciate it but the language is middle grade fourth grade gotcha and then what's the general story the general story is about a brother and sister that see each other in the mirror, but they can never see themselves. And then they wake up in this magical realm and are able to play tag and actually see themselves and each other at the same time if there's a reflection. And they go on this adventure meeting magical creatures where they of course, of course have to sell, uh, save that magical realm and get home and in the process find their own identity. So it's a little. A journey. Fun, but there's, yeah, it's a journey. It's fun, but there's a little wisdom in there. 
Mm -hmm, definitely. So this was inspired by Russian fairy tales. Could you tell our audience just a little bit about your connection to fairy tales in general and a little bit maybe about your childhood and your grandmother? Of course, I would love to. Again, growing up in the 80s, we didn't have access to Netflix and the internet and the, these uh, Disney movies as much as our kids have now. And while it's wonderful having this imagery on television, we would uh, access it through books. And my grandma, she was very theatrical. She loved to act. She had this beautiful way of presenting herself. And as any grandma, she loved to have her grandkids eat. So to get us to eat, she would tell us these beautiful stories and our pictures, the books, the uh, Eastern European books, they would be like really big with really colorful imagery. And that really stuck with me. It's like eating is always good mm -hmm. and stories are always good and colors are good. So that's something I really wanted to share with my kids and with their friends as well. So you use fairy tales as an inspiration in a lot of your fashion designs yeah. before you wrote the book. Was it yeah. an easy leap just to go from from <laughs> from designs to book? Absolutely, because uh, with the fashion, I started with the prints, mm -hmm. and then it goes into creating the fashion shows and advertising uh, materials and uh, lookbooks and photo shoots. So basically. It's a way to tell a story, but this way that story kind of acquired characters and an adventure, but it was always a story. It's just a different broad uh, branch it's taking. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Let's dive into to some of your, your big themes. So you are talking a lot about gender identity in this children's book. What inspired you to explore that theme of gender identity in specifically a book for kids? Uh, two things. First of all, of course, being a mother of four and seeing how the kids are trying to understand the world mm -hmm. and trying to accept or even agree or disagree with the labels they're being presented because of course we are living in a world that is anchored with words that have meaning that has tags that has labels and they don't always possibly agree with that and when that happens I always want to just open their uh, horizon and say well you don't have to you can still be you and have a little bit different belief. You, you don't have to, you know, my son was very concerned because he loves Adam Sandler, but every Adam Sandler movie is you have to be married and you have to have kids. And that's something he just noticed. He's like, mom, I don't want to be married. So I'm like, you don't have to get married right now. <laughs> or, you know, it's just, it's just a movie. And he's like, but why are all the movies like that? Like you have to do it. And I'm trying to, explain to them, you don't. The only thing you have to do is be true to yourself, kind to the world, and just do the best you can do with your time and knowledge. And as long as you're not hurting anybody, you don't have to, you know, repeat Adam Sandler movies. <laughs> oh, I love 
love that. So it's really rooted in your own experience as a mother and trying to grapple with these, these themes, these ideas that your children are, are going through themselves. Of course. Um, what role have you noticed that gender identity plays in the fashion industry? Do you find, uh, in your experience, is it does it stick to really strict binary roles, or do you feel like it's much more fluid and flexible, and it explores some more um, gender bending? Well, and I think thankfully, and I know a lot of people are not as ready and do not agree as much, but I think if you are more open about it. For example, a woman can wear a blazer, she can wear a man's shirt, she can wear a tie, she's been wearing pants for decades, and that's fine. And men from Scotland and Japan and Dubai, you know, they can wear dresses and skirt, and that's okay. But if somebody else wears it, and why is that not okay? I mean, you can be a skirt in pants, you know what I mean? And you can be a suit in a jumpsuit. It's how you present yourself. It's not what's in your body. And I think I, I really welcome just uh, my sons. Sometimes they play around and they'll steal my daughter's skirts and they'll put them on. But it, it really doesn't mean anything. It doesn't classify you as anything. It's just it's textile that is, you know, made a particular way. So I really hope that in the future, people are going to be more kind of open to the not binary. Definitely. Yeah. It's interesting that you, you talk about or mention other cultures and, and how it's um, much more acceptable traditionally to wear an example of, of a skirt and that that's not necessarily true traditionally in, in the United States. Do you find in Russian literature that there is more acceptance of being open to different gender identities? Absolutely. Sadly, not. Hmm. Russia is, has a very long way to go to be more tolerant and acceptant of it because there's there's a lot of ignorance behind there's a lot of just negativity and violence and i don't think that is something that could be an open discussion right now mm-hmm. it's especially russia is a very big piece of land. So if you're talking about Moscow, maybe somewhere in Moscow, it, some people can get away with things. But if you talk about little small towns, uh, they, they have decades to go to catch up even to the conversation that the United States is having right now. Mm-hmm. So you tackled some other interesting topics as well, such as, that are connected as well, but um, such as self-discovery and acceptance in the book. What's the overall idea that you really want kids to think about or discuss while they're reading this? Of course. So that goes back to maybe my own perception and my own childhood. Again, from the side, I'm blonde and pink and I'm little and I'm all bubbly and supposed to be you know wearing tutus but I always ran around with the boys and I climbed trees and there was always that label that I had to play with dolls and I couldn't do this and why am I wearing dresses why I'm wearing you know 
why, why is my hair up? Why don't I have enough makeup on my face? What am I at? So it, it's something uh, in the book, it, the moral is you have to be comfortable with who you are and you will be loved and accepted as long as you're true to yourself. And that's why you can grow and not be in this limbo and you're not going to lose time trying to please somebody that's never going to be pleased because they're always expecting something that doesn't exist. A little deep. (laughs) No, it's great. So you, this is all in a children's book. Why, why did you decide to tackle these concepts, especially something like societal norms, which is such a, a big thing. And you're using different ideas like culture and gender identity and sort of watching how those two potentially have clashed. And yet it's all with kids. What sort of how did you go about that in the book? How are you exposing children to certain language or certain ideas in a way that they can understand? That's a little bit more tangible for them. Again, it's very easy to do it through an adventure. So Mm. basically the two kids can't see their own reflection. And then they are in the magical land where they kind of can see and touch each other and see their own reflection. And the whole idea, they want to get home because what do we always want to do? We want to get home to whatever there is. To each person, there's own home. But every time we feel like we're off balance, we kind of want to get back to that balance. And there's an adventure. And through that adventure, while everything could be colorful and jolly, they're noticing things. They're saying, oh, somebody's on the side is making a comment. And at the end, they realize it and well I'm not gonna say what's gonna happen at the end (laughs) (laughs) no spoilers here Uh, yeah I'm not gonna say if they got (laughs) but the end is actually very interesting Hmm. my son he was very excited about that and uh, (laughs) he helped me with few ideas he's a big skyscraper fan so I made a whole flower skyscraper city so that was supposed to be his favorite uh chapter but then he's like um, my last chapter is called The Awakening. And he goes, Mom, I love The Awakening. I'm like, yes. <laughs> That's nice. So being a mother of four and, and having your kids involved in this process, what, what do you think your role as a mom, how did that really impact how you wrote this book? Did you think it changed your perspective? And, and if had you written it earlier? Of course. How we were brought up, and again, it has to do a lot about Soviet Union and just different cultures. We were kind of molded. Mm-hmm. We were, we had shelves of expectations and goals, and like you, you have to, have to, have to, have to. This is you, and you kind of have to go through this path. And and I thought that's the way you should do it. But now, as a mom. I understand it's it's a human being. And even though I want it to belong to me, it doesn't. He, she, they don't. They're their own human being. And in Russia, like, you have to break that character. And mm. I'm like, no, mm. you have to nurture it in a proper direction. So even though if we don't agree on some things, I just watch them do things. Even now, I would never think of, doing and I would never approach the way 
they approach. So that freshness kind of really influenced uh, the book because they're just these amazing individuals. They just have very small feet, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's something, you know, it's, it's part of the, the parent journey. I think so often, you know, especially as a mother, you, you, you know, grew this human and that was part of you so intimately. And then now they're, they're out in the world on their own and you sort of like, well, this is my child. Uh, and these are my genetics or, you know, they live under my house. So like my, my influence, but then you, you come to realize that, that they are individuals and that they have their, their own agendas. And, and especially if you have more than one child, you see how different they are and how you have to approach each child so differently and make sure that you are meeting their needs and helping them, them grow to be what they need to be. Um, not necessarily what, what you want them to be. And it's, it's hard. It's a, it's a, as you said, an awakening, it's like, oh, okay, got it. I'm, um, I'm part of this picture. As long as they're fed and clean. (laughs) Right, right. Definitely. Some books, everything else is like, this is you. (laughs) I did want to talk a little bit about the illustrations. So you yourself have talked about how you are such a, a colorful artist and you really value color. And then here you are tackling this, this theme of gender identity. What role did the illustrations play in the book and what sort of impact did they have on the story? I am a very I'm extremely visual person and even in the book it's very descriptive it's when you read it it's pretty much like watching a cartoon I like to work on every little color and smell and texture and sound I just go all around so for me visual uh, representation again like with my fashion is extremely important I found this wonderful Eastern European um, artist from Germany, because everybody's all over the world. Her name is Yekaterina Kuznetsova. And when we started talking, I started explaining my idea. She understood me from the get-go and it wasn't long. It was in a few weeks, we got all the illustrations. But I think uh, they they really kind of, I don't know, it's quite- Oh my gosh, yes. Oh, they're beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I love the colors. They're so bright. Yeah, they're, they're, oh, they're, they're bright and they're, it's something that kind of helps kids read as well because if it's a big book, it's like oh, just, just, just letters and words. That's all <laughs> I have in this, mom. Really? This <laughs> way, so like, oh, okay. This is interesting. I can look at at the illustrations and compare what I saw in my mind. So. Definitely a little bit of eye candy. So what other projects are you working on right now? Um, I heard that maybe there's there's a novel that also explores gender identity. So I'd love to hear sort of about that and and anything else that you're you're tackling at this time. Of course, about 14 years ago, even before I started my fashion, I finished all my masters, I got married, and I was in this kind of space where before I was extremely busy and now I had all this time and I didn't know what really to do with myself. So I started writing a novel and it's a novel where the characters have no gender identifiers. It's they, they call me them uh, and they have not binary names. Mm -hmm. And it's just a story 
for everybody. You can go in as a female seeing a male and a woman, or you could see it as a woman and a woman or a male as a male. And it's just something for everybody to experience without having those anchors and labels of he and she. Because when we even just say he without wanting, we have that imagery in our minds. And when it's them, it's like they, them, like, okay, so now I have to really understand this character. Like what, what can the feelings be? What are, you know, you, you get the pure uh, kind of emotion without those little stereotypes. I love that idea. I love that idea, how everyone, as they're reading it, they can experience it a little bit differently. So when, when is that, when is that book available? I'm still working on it. I want it to be just perfect. <laughs> and uh, nothing is ever just perfect. So <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll, we'll have the second series of this before I'm going to have that. But I feel like I need this beautiful view of the forest and the proper wooden table with the little china tea little cups and just sit there in the wilderness and just type yeah. <laughs> now i have four kids that are like mama 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 so so not quite yet <laughs> no tea <laughs> are you considering doing um a sequel to yeah. mishka and mashka yes very That's much i think the characters have a very nice room to grow and that uh, realm as well has a lot of interesting things and details that I even myself am interested to discover. Hmm. Well, that's exciting. That's exciting for, for people who read the book and, and want more. Well, thank you so much, Marina, for joining us today to speak a little bit about your book and to, to talk about gender identity and social norms. So everyone, make sure that you check out Mashka and Mishka Get Trapped in a Rainbow. We love to hear your thoughts, comments, and questions. If you enjoyed what you heard today, check out more at thirdfloorviews.com. I'm Jana Jefferson. This is Third Floor Views. Thank you for listening.